0: Hey, welcome back in. Welcome in to Talking Catholic tonight. So glad you're here. So I like, have an exciting show for your night. Got the guest Patrick Coffin back in you know, and on the show. It's been a while, right? So it's kind of hard for me to have some of my friends on talking Catholic. Uh, because you know YouTube keeps me constantly on like on two strikes. So, you know, if I get the three strikes, I'm gone. So uh, some of my friends, you know, they they you know, they're um you know they're on the, the enemies list, so and so I try not to get the three strikes. But now since I'm down to just one strike, I got Patrick on, and so we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. So let's let's get into the show. But first, let me give a shout out to my Patreon. So Christopher, I'm Capic, I'm Jennifer Baker, Shime Doctor Tony Olivia, Elise Flag, Gene. Persono, I'm killing these names, Kenneth Durkison, <laughs> Jerry Norris, Don Schwab, OFS, Dora Petrus, Barry Phillips, Clarence LaFuentes, Jean April Genovese, Catherine Stewart, Paul Delion, KG, Rabatilia David Raw and Diane. I appreciate all your support, all your support that you guys give me on Patreon with your donations. Most of all, I appreciate your prayers. If you are not a Patreon but would like to join, it's easy. To just go into my website, click on a Patreon. But most of all, like I said, appreciate your prayers. Need your prayers. Um, but if you can't support, um, keep the keep what I'm doing, all the everything I'm doing. Um, that's cool, you know. The likes, the clicks, the shares, the buy the books, all of it I appreciate. Most poorly, the prayers. So, without further ado, let's get this show started. Welcome back in to Talking Catholic tonight. Patrick Coffin, welcome back on to Talking Catholic. What's going on,
1: DLG? Uh, yeah. A question for you. If you're at Two Strikes, why are you inviting me on your channel?
0: No, I'm down to one now. Okay. I'm down to one. So, so we'll right. see how this goes.
1: Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll be sure to speak in code to, uh, right. to, to retrieve and re- sort of protect your
0: dignity. Right. Right. Your audience <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for the invite, David. It's always, yeah, a, man, it's always a pleasure to have you here. You're a good friend of mine. Um, but you know, a lot of people, when I posted this, people are like, Hey, I miss Patrick. I miss the fedora. And I guess people don't know where to find you at now. You're not on YouTube, but where can people from people, from people find you? Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere else. Uh, We have to make
1: a decision. If if you, if you're building an audience and you have something to say, and you know, it's not going to resonate with all of humanity, you, uh have to discern between being on every platform that exists and putting your eggs in one basket. And just like if you're investing, there's some wisdom in diversifying your portfolio. So I'm not on every single platform, but I am on Rumble. I am on uh, MeWe. I'm on tw- I'm, I have a, a show site that I use to get guests who are also on Twitter. It's called At Coffin Media. Um, I self canceled from Twitter because I was being brutally shadow banned. By our our dear friends over at Twitter, and so um, and I'm transitioning out of uh, how can I say out of schmeish Sh- out of schmeish book. Um, I'll be leaving schmeish book and the the, the Zucker universe uh, yeah. in, a, in a couple of weeks, maybe maybe uh, after that. So, but I'll, I'll give advance notice about where I am. Yeah, I received a permanent ban from YouTube uh, in violation of their own uh, policies. By the way, having. Yeah. For something, nothing to do with YouTube and everything to do with with a summit that we launched on uh, the uh, Schmack scene and the Great Reset. So another story for another day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So and you also PatrickCoffin.com, right? The Coffin Nation. That's still... Yeah,
1: yeah, the the, domain, the main site is where my blog and my uh, weekly podcast is patrickcoffin.media. Uh, media my wife right. and I also run an international online community nicknamed Coffin Nation. People in 20 different countries. So we do uh, live weekly webinars. I do exclusive content for them, commentary, a, a weekly report. And we have a, a private forum where we... It's so funny, David, how... People in Adelaide, Australia and northern Manitoba and Ireland and Abu Dhabi and the Philippines are all thinking the same thoughts, having the same challenges and yeah. the same, you know, obstacles to living out their Catholic faith. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's Confination.com if you want to check out the trailer.
0: All right. Cool. And I remember Father Altman discovered that, too. Remember in that video, his viral video, he's like Borneo. Right. And then you start hearing from people from Borneo. So people even in Borneo. Yeah. All right you know, it's, it's, the Catholic faith is universal. And, and right now, um, some challenges present those or presenting those who, um, have a preference, have a love, have a deep passion and find deep, um, devotion in the traditional Latin mass. So mm-hmm. tell us what happened and why it happened. What, what's your thoughts on this? The
1: recent Epsoc letter, it's only eight paragraphs long. Uh, issued Modu Proprio or by the Pope's own initiative, uh, *Traditionis Custodes, is a very Orwellian title for what he's trying to accomplish with this Modu Proprio. Uh, Guardians of Tradition is the English translation. And what he's really doing is taking aim at the less than two percent of Catholics who do things like have large families, pray the rosary together as a family, uh, believe that the divine liturgy should be celebrated with utmost reverence, grandeur, mystery, beauty, silence, all that. Um, as as the church proceeds a pace 60 years after this close of the Second Vatican Council, the same man who can sit down and write a handwritten attaboy letter to Father James Martin, the highest profile LGBT salesman in the, in the church, while at the same time, only weeks later, take aim at really salt of the earth Catholics who love the divine liturgy as it comes to us for the last five or 600 years after the Council of Trent. It doesn't really compute. Um, I think that the people who will suffer from this motorbrio are faithful Catholics who want to be obedient to their bishops. They will go to their bishops for permission. They want to have good relationships with their local ordinaries. In the second paragraph, of the document, he explicitly mentions the name of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, who is the founder of the Society of St. Pius X, founded in 1970 as a reactionary group against the, some of the documents of the Second Vatican Council. Although Lefebvre himself signed all of the documents, hmm. his inciting incident was the imposition of the new mass, the Novus Ordo Missae in 1970. which is not called for, as you know, by the document on the liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium. It was just imposed kind of like from above. And to make a long story longer, the SSPFs, the SSPX, they don't care about this proprio. While their name is invoked by the Pope as a motive for imposing it and restricting the use of the TLM, uh, they don't care. They don't have parishes. They have chapels. They don't have ordinaries. They're not They're not subject to the authority of the local bishop. No way. In uh-huh. fact, they exist under the largesse of Pope Francis himself. When the year of mercy ended in 2015, um, that was Pope Francis' sort of olive branch to the society uh, for that year of mercy. Well, the year of mercy was only 52 weeks long. And so here we are, you know, five or six years later, and the SSPX exists in the kind of no man's land. They're not fully a part of the Catholic Church. They do not have full communion with the church, even though Pope Benedict, in an act of generosity, lifted the excommunications that were imposed by St. John Paul II on June 30th, 1988, when Archbishop Lefebvre ordained illicitly, invalidly against the Pope's explicit explicit wishes for priests as bishops. So this is why I I. I get a lot of nasty emails and DMs and attacks on online from SSPX sympathizers because my take on this um, motu proprio is that the SSPX are why we can't have nice things. (laughs) Their rabble rousing, their fractiousness, their repeated attempts to sell themselves as being as fully Catholic as an established order of the church their friction with the local bishop, the fact that they're they're kind of they're clannish, they mm-hmm. celebrate in their own their own uh, chapels and so on. This is this is um, very difficult for diocesan priests who love to say the Latin mass who now have to go cap in hand to the bishop. The motu proprio doesn't cover orders, but it does say that you can't use a parochial church right. for the traditional Latin mass, and you can't erect more institutes or more orders. Um, geared to celebrating the extraordinary form of Latin mass. And that's a tragedy because if you, if you've any uh, exposure to a Latin mass parish, whether it's the FSSP or the Institute for Christ, the King sovereign or a diocesan priest who just loves to celebrate Latin mass um, or to use a, a Bishop example, Bishop Alexander sample of, of mm-hmm. Portland. Yeah. He taught himself how to say the Latin mass. He went to eBay and got some DVDs on, and taught himself. So, um, you're not, you don't, you don't find angry, bitter people. I mean, there's, I guess a minority of sinners everywhere that, that, uh, that, uh, ran on the parade and make it difficult to, to evangelize. But most Latin mass goers that I know, and I do not exclusively go to the extraordinary form. It's just my strong preference. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not trying to cause local problems. They're trying to deal with the same things that Nova Ordo going Catholics do raising their kids well, praying with their wives um, not have sterilized sex make it make uh, make disciples yeah so um, I think uh, I think there's a lot of drama flying around about this moto proprio I think it's going it's going when when more dust settles we'll find it's not quite as successful as maybe Pope Francis and team Bergoglio wanted to be and the, the proofs in the pudding here David I'll just stop here uh, many ordinaries have already spoken up saying Look, this is we're going to do status quo. We're not going to squash the Latin Mass locally because bishops, they they see the the good fruits. They see the vocations coming from. Mm-hmm. The yeah. They see the large families. They see the happy, uh, you know, squawking, crying. I heard one parish priest say that his his church was basically uh, a sanctuary, uh, a sanctuary crying room with a tabernacle in it. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if your church ain't crying, it's dying. And, and yeah. that's, a, that's a hallmark of Latin mass parishes, is the, the, the prominence of, of large families.
0: So Pope Francis, he sends out this questionnaire, I guess a couple years ago, right? Um, asking bishops about how is um, uh, uh, Pope Benedict's 16th, his was a Sonorum Partificum, is that the name of it? Yes. Yeah. Simon- um, it, yeah. How, how's it going, basically? How's, it, how's, how's that being implemented how's that going and i would, we don't know exactly what responses he got back yet i mean where's where's should we see this questionnaire about what responses he gets back cuz he's using that this these responses as some sort, uh, as his justification mm-hmm. to to do this so i mean are 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 we entitled to see the this questionnaire the answers to this and, and see who said what
1: of course we are what happened to the transparency? Isn't there, aren't we uh, living under the transparency m- mantra? Why can't we see? This is, an, this is a lay equivalent of the dubia. Mm. He disclosed not the answers to these questions. We don't even really know specifically what the questions are that he put to the bishops of the world, nor how many, nor from where, right? Oh, yeah. so here's, the, here's the literal sentence. So he's talking about the, the passage of 13 years after the motu proprio. Pope Benedict came into effect I believe in 2007 yeah um, he says I instructed the CDF to circulate a questionnaire to the bishops regarding the implementation of Samoan Pontificum the responses reveal a situation that preoccupies and saddens me and persuades me of the need to intervene regrettably the pastoral objective of my predecessors who had intended to quote do everything possible to ensure that all those who truly possess the desire for unity would find it possible to remain in this unity or to rediscover it a new unquote has often been seriously disregarded. Well, by whom? I've never seen it. I know a lot of Latin mass going Catholics mm-hmm. in countries. They're scratching their heads. Who did he, who did he, um, who, who got their questions back to him and yeah. was the feedback so severe that it preoccupies and saddens, Francis, that sounds pretty serious, and um, I don't know what else to tell you except
0: your point of view because your point of view is that these rabble rousers, these Molenkoff cocktail bomb throwers, were these people who, um, a very small percentage of people who are you know, I'll call them liturgical elitists. I mean, we, we should admit that's something real. There's people who have. They they say a lot of negative things and they say about the Novus Order and they think there's a traditional Latin right only path and that they do create this friction in this war between the, the liturgies right now we can get into how Francis himself has weaponized liturgy but you know I think there is a small group of people who who do that and, and your your thoughts is that it was it was the S, S, SSPX um, uh, primarily but the response based upon what you just said when Francis using his justification was that some people will say, well, the traditional Latin mass people brought it on themselves. You guys brought this on yourselves according to what Francis has said.
1: Yeah. Yes. He doesn't say that he sent a questionnaire out to the bishops of the SSPX of of which there's a tiny handful. He says bishops and we're, we're to presume, I suppose that he means the thousands of sitting Catholic bishops around the world. Yeah. Uh, I've never even heard of a bishop saying, oh, hey, I got my my questionnaire. It's just gonna fill it out like it's the census, right? Right." (laughs) Um, There's a a sound of crickets from individual bishops. I'd love to hear from, I'd love to see a bishop go on the record with what the questions were and how he answered. I, Mm -hmm. I think it's fair of the faithful since this, this is an imposition and in a way cancel culture applied to the traditional Latin mass. Don't the faithful, the children of mother church have a right to know the specifics Mm -hmm. and is there a way that, that uh, Latin mass goers can even up their game more to express uh, more uh, spirit of obedience to their local bishop.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, But you're right, David, every, there is a certain kind of trad, especially online. They're not necessarily members of sympathy or sympathizers specifically of the SSPX, but they're, they're on the crabby side. There is a definite, I know it's a generalization. They're more Catholic than the Pope um they have a kind of an unconscious aversion to the second vatican council they're kind of um they remember the good old days where everything seemed to be perfect like the catholic version of mayberry yeah uh, when, when we had uh, pope andy griffith um of course the good old days never really were that good because it's a fallen world run by a devil <laughs> <laughs> um so does that make sense
0: yeah in, in- and, and one thing that's, I mean, so many, so many striking things about this as well. I mean, it seems from his motto proprio that Pope Francis would try to, he's trying to cast himself in the, the tradition of, of, of Pius the fifth of creating this singular liturgy for the people. We're just going to have just one liturgy to unite the faith. And, um, in Paul fifth and Paul the sixth, you know, he seems to kind of, Want to continue that same thing, but wants to open up the doors, has some freshness, has some participation in liturgy. And and Pope Saint John Paul II and Pope Benedict seem to have a, a different perception of the role of liturgy in the life of the Church. That it should be diverse. They were kind of like throwbacks before Pius V, like when there were like many liturgies, and you can still sort of encounter that in places in Europe. You know, liturgy isn't such a linear thing. But in, in so and so Pope Francis, I mean, and Pope John Paul II, and and Pope Benedict seem to be throwbacks to a diverse time, and so Francis, he wants to recapture this idea of just be, just being one liturgy, one um one 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 consistent faith for for the people, uh, but he doesn't really. It's hard to believe that Pope Francis is a guardian of this guardian of tradition, when ever since he came into office, he's been something other than a guardian of tradition. I mean, he's right. been the complete opposite of a guardian tradition, yeah. right? I mean, right. some of the things he's done from the beginning, every time he's he's looked at the catechism, it's like he kind of spit on it. Every time tradition has been brought before him, he's kind of, eh. And so it's, 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 why should we even believe that this idea of what he's pitching himself as and it's more appropriate.
1: He's a guardian in the destroyer sense.
2: Let's <laughs> put yeah. my tongue
1: back in, in my chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he. If you look at the true diversity that exists in the Catholic liturgical world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you have Byzantine liturgies, which are distinct from, uh, you know, other Eastern Rite expressions of the Catholic faith in union with with Peter. You have the uh, Ambrosian Rite. You have the Cyril Malabar uh, we do have a true diversity I mean think of it the Eastern Orthodox Catholic world uh, Eastern Rite Catholics have a separate set of canon laws and yet we have that same spirit of, of unity that's the key, the key word unity yeah. one word one faith one baptism um, It seems like Pope Francis who is always uh, pitched himself as the mascot or the the symbol of you know diversity and anything goes who might a judge,
2: he seems right. to clamp
1: down uh, in favor of uniformity and a monolithic approach. And again, the, you, you mentioned weaponized ambiguity. Here's how, here's how the motu proprio begins. This is Article 1. The liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II, in conformity with the decrees of this, uh, Vatican Council II, are the unique expression of hmm. the Lex Orande of hmm. the Roman Rite. He doesn't say the sole expression. But he says unique, which qualifies expression in a way that I would say bumps up against soul. Because why would you need to modify expression unless you're trying to say it's extra special? It's the prime. We don't know what he said. Uh, the right. whole document is, is written in a kind of jumbled way in which you can, you can conclude one thing if he meant this and another thing if he meant that.
0: Yeah, and I want to get to that because some bishops are starting. You know, they're they're inter- it's, it's amazing how they're starting to interpret this. Some bishops are even starting to okay. We can't have it in the in in a in a, in a, in, a, in a parish. Okay, this church is no longer a parish. It's a shrine now. It's the oratory. So it's it's. it's I mean, it's, it's so silly. But let's let's get to a couple questions here before mm-hmm. I go on. So Laura B then is asking where could we go to traditional mass and still be in communion Byzantine I've never had a chance to attend a traditional at Mass and I feel like <laughs> I feel like they cheated me uh, and so I think Laura B also brought up the SPX is the SSPX is that an option
1: uh, it's a very good question and there's a lot of ifs attached to it um, if. You are in a remote area and you can't go to mass anywhere, and there's an SSPX chapel. Under the emergency conditions where there's no other option, you would be permitted to go. It's not preferable because over time you might begin to imbibe the bias against the Pope himself, against the office of Peter. And you might begin to believe, as the SSP does, don't believe me, believe their website, that the Novus Ordo Missae is evil.
2: Mm, If
1: you love praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, you are praying a prayer that the SSP ex-priests say is demonic. They don't accept her canonization. They think that the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which is now erected as a universal feast, the second, the first weekend after Easter, is demonic. So that's what you get when you show up at an SSPX chapel. Uh, I would recommend that you ask your pastor if he would consider learning it. Um, You can contact Una Voce. You can contact the SS, excuse me, the FSSP to see if they have uh, a parish that's staffed by uh, fraternity priests. Mm. Um, If you're in Southern California, they're the Norbertines. They offer the extraordinary form. Um, just do some some looking around. I'm not sure which diocese Laura is at, but I think she's right about being ripped off. Um, the extraordinary form Ooh. revised in 1962 is the, is the liturgy that gave us hundreds of awesome saints. St. Saint yeah. Francis de Sales, the founder mm-hmm. of the Jesuits, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. John Paul II, Mother Teresa. They were all formed and fashioned as Christians yeah. to the Latin Mass. Yeah. Bishop Sheen uh, has a book called "This Is the Mass," and it's all about the the glory of the the traditional Latin Mass. And maybe you'll find that your pastor is open—if not him, maybe the curate or the associate pastor—to learning how to celebrate it, to learn how to celebrate it. Because I think this this if the motu propria was designed to tamp down interest in the Latin Mass, it has already backfired. Um, <laughs> our our par- parish here in Southern California was was jammed, standing room only. Wow um Because people are curious. Whenever something's banned or stifled, it yeah. makes people who were otherwise weren't quite paying attention sit up. What's going on here? Why can't I hear that? What's the problem here?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. I was. And, and, and... I think I think as parents, you know, I know you're your dad too. You 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 quite understand that very well. So it's always a delicate balance between being strict and being lenient, because you know if you go too far over, all you do is entice, right? And Paul talked about a little about that too, how sin really just made people want to do it more, right? <laughs> out of law rather. Yeah. But um are you think we're gonna find you're gonna find out who your bishop is pretty soon in response to this. If you had any question about whether your bishop was um, just another um, uh, uh, manifestation of Pope Francis or whether he is really interested in your salvation and in your interior life. Are we gonna find out out that pretty soon? Are bishops bishops being forced to react to this in that way? I
1: think this mode appropriate was one more litmus test or or sort of diagnostic sign of what kind of man your bishop is and what his priorities are. It's the latest in, in a string.
2: Okay. Um,
1: uh, Amoris Laetitia was a big one. Okay. How did your bishop, I mean, this year is your is your bishop really going along with the year of reflection on Amoris Laetitia or is he more focusing on the year of St. Joseph, which yeah. Pope Francis instituted basically simult- simultaneously. Uh,
0: okay, okay. So,
1: um, yeah, it's, one's reaction to Pope Francis tells one a lot about the person's priorities and what what vision they have of the church and evangelization and um, even if you don't love the extraordinary forum uh, as I do, even if you don't ever have or didn't grow up uh, uh, attending assisting at that mass, this motu proprio is still sorrow filled because of what the Latin mass has represented for the church for so many, for so many years, I've run into more and more Protestant commentaries in uh, on the internet, especially in in, the comment boxes, David, and Protestant evangelicals and another irony here, they don't like this. They think the Latin mass is an important sign of the otherness of Christ. Uh. Now we're, we're, we're the, we're the new is Israel. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. And there is something peculiar about going to a divine liturgy in a language you don't naturally speak.
2: Right.
1: And um, the irony being that the architects of the Second Vatican Council um, wanted to design a mass that was not offensive to Protestants. Well, it also <laughs> kind of backfired. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and I, I think I'm 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 not I'm the same way. I mean, definitely the Byzantine would be my first preference if you know I had to have one liturgy for the rest of my life, right? Mm-hmm. But I always, what I love about the, the Tridentine or the Mass of Paul V or Extraordinary Form, whatever you want to call it, was that it seemed to be in this day and age, the most countercultural thing you could find in relationship to Christ, right? It, it seemed to be very healthy for families. And because it's healthy for families, it's healthy for the church everywhere you use you, you, you saw it you saw a tremendous attraction to, to families to, to younger people and you saw people at least a, a deeper external reverence right yep and, and so all those things are important for the for the health of the church and so what's good for the family is good for the church and so that that's one thing that really disappointed me the most that that Pope Francis seemed to be picking on, he's like a, this horrible parent who is, is picking on as a kid the bad things that you were doing, right? You know, you're in school, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. But there's a lot of great things that you're doing, right? More great things than bad things. But he wanted to pick out those couple bad things that you're doing and just take everything away from you, or at least make it harder for you, um, harder for your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's crazy because when you look at places like Germany, where we had seen an article, remember, yesterday or the day before, talking about all the people just leaving the German Catholic Church. You look at South America, how many people are just in Central America, how many people are just leaving the Catholic Church and going to Protestantism? You look at, you know, the people who are on my channel, you know, you guys know, it almost every other week, I, I, I do like a, a mass nightmare. We do this thing, um, Patrick, where we find like the most ridiculous mass you could ever find, and we just laugh through the whole thing, because that's all you can do. So there's a lot of these mass nightmares out here that we call them, and they're not uncommon. <laughs> and so with all this hot mess that's going on out here, the traditional lab mass seems to be the most important pressing issue of this man who just got out the hospital.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to fathom why that would. Be his uh, his priority, unless he's more sick than the Vatican press office is letting on. This might be—I'm not wishing it upon him—but it might be if he's in in uh, more grave health status than they're letting on. It might be him throwing the you know the sink at the wall because he wants to protect his legacy as he d- takes the hatchet to the legacy of his predecessor Pope Benedict XVI. Mm. That's the the lasting legacy of Pope Emeritus and, and his successor just took it apart. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's mean spirited. I think it's political. I'm delighted to see that it's uh, backfiring so far. And I, having said that this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't think Pope Benedict should have quit. Um, If you want an argument for infirmity and advanced age and weakness for, for abdicating the papal throne, John Paul II would have been a clearer cut case of that. Right. Um, I feel like Pope Benedict left and what we got installed was not the true father, but a, but a, a stepfather who doesn't care. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't have his family's best interest in mind, who doesn't know to ha- how to affirm the champions in his own ranks. He only knows how to insult there's a whole book it's called a little book of insults of, of uh little bit digs that pope francis
2: yeah has at Captain,
1: and they're all aimed at you david gray and, and me. <laughs> you know rigid, dr of the law mm. um pharisaical judgy all that there's even footage of him coming up to an altar boy uh in rome and the little boys you know with his hands f- uh folded like this and pope makes a joke oh look they're glued
0: together hardy har
1: really that's that's how Vicars of Christ act with mm-hmm. children while the cameras are rolling.
0: It's amazing how God always sheds light on just this ugliness. These little nasty things these these clerics say. I think it was Dolan some time ago in the cathedral. What did, what did he say? He said, um, oh, I thought we were gonna skip past the boring part, right? Um, and then there's what Nighty Night Baby, whatever that was, um, from <laughs> from mom. Um, uh, I forget his name, but he's in that that group of super-Cardinal yeah. Joe Tobin, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Ninety Nine Baby,
0: yeah, Ninety Nine Baby. These guys, they always get caught, right? But you know, you um, you were working on this project. I know you you invited me into it as well. Um, this documentary that may come to hopefully yeah. comes to light one day, talking about the the Great Reset, and and thinking about that, how do you? how would you cast this motto proprio into this idea that we see going throughout the world right now? That one, that they want us to believe that we're not free, right? This, this, this constantly taking these liberties away that we, that Pope Benedict said in his motor proprio that the laity essentially has a right to the traditional mass. He said, Ask your priests if he if you if he doesn't have one. So the laity had a right to this. That's a Benedict's argument. And so, but now this taking it away, these, these putting on restrictions. And when I look at this stuff, I just look at it in the family of all this stuff. The the face coverings you have to wear. Um, this, this ongoing war. Against people of goodwill, do you look at this motor proprio in that family? of everything that we're seeing going throughout the world, even in France, France is like requiring, demanding that people, um, you know, you can't even get groceries or whatever if you don't if you don't comp- comply. So, are you seeing this in that light, or am I? Am I? Or am, I am I off?
1: Well, since you, you mentioned the documentary, you and I are a part of, then I, I do believe it's going to see the light of day. They're just they're editing and cutting and they're adding some things and they might change the title of it. Um, my, my take in my section of that documentary, which is going to be, I mean, it's just so important. The people that he's put together and the messages that from multiple points of view and different religious and political perspectives, everyone's saying the same basic thing. My take is that Pope Francis and the current situation in the world are together a remote preparation for the rise of the antichrist. I'm not saying Pope Francis is the Antichrist. I'm not saying he wears red tights or that he's demonic, nothing like that. However, one of the signs that will accompany the second coming of our Lord when he returns, which is obviously part of the foundation of the Catholic faith, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, is what St. Paul calls the great apostasy, a massive loss of faith around the world. And just to pick on the United States, we have a scenario in which for every adult convert who comes into the church through the RCIA program, six, leave through the exit door. This is a phenomenal bleed out of the church. Did not exist in 1962 or in 1952. You had steady increases in church membership and uh, and adherence until the Second Vatican Council hit. So by Pope Francis clamping down on one of the real um white-hot centers of Catholic devotion and love of Jesus Christ, namely the traditional Latin Mass, that feeds into this apostasy. It's a loss of faith. If you ever travel to Europe now or even Montreal, go to Montreal and, and check out Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah, it's Beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous church. Yeah. And it's either empty or they use it for jazz concerts.
2: Yeah.
1: And meanwhile, a, a Cardinal Dolan can say, skip past the boring bits. This is what people leave for. There's nothing. They don't offer anything. Uh, the, the most complimentary thing I can say about the the uh, the Norvis Ordo is that uh, it's the baseball hat to the fedora, which is the Latin Mass.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's uh, you uh, know, it's uh, a hat. It's yeah, a hat. It's you know, it's got a visor, but um, it doesn't have the elevated elegance of the fedora.
0: <laughs> that's, weird. That's, that's a head covering. It, it, <laughs> Cover some of your head, <laughs> Neil Mantilla. Right. <laughs> that's a good man. That that's that's. But that's that's. I mean, all jokes aside. I mean, that, that's. I mean, that's really scary. Um. But it, it, it sort of brings into the picture of what's going on here. This could have been just a tremendous. I mean, what pope doesn't want to leave office or die, and seeing the church if he's in, if he's, if he's, if he belongs to the Petrine ministry, he belongs to Peter's ministry, what better legacy do you have of saying of the Lord being able to look upon you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, right?
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: you left the church in better shape than you received it in, in your ministry, uh successor, Peter. Pope Francis could have left the church and wouldn't wish the traditional Latin mass was, was flourishing and, and growing and more oratories and parishes offering, the FSSP flourishing, the two of Christ the King flourishing. Um, just a, a massive liturgical diversity going on and, and people really in the church be, thereby becoming more reverent, right?
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: where there's deeper reverence, uh, uh, people, uh, reverence draws reverence, right? Um, irreverence seems to produce more irreverence. But he could have had a church that was becoming more reverent. Um, a reverent church produces more saints. I think right now we're just living in an age where, I don't know if you know we're going to have historians hundreds or thousands of years in the future, but I, I wonder if they're going to look back upon this epic of the Norvis order and just see that there's just a, a dearth, of saints being produced, uh, one of the the times in the church where we just so few saints, right? I, I think that's possible because I, I just don't think irreverence produces a lot of saints. You know, that's that's this is my thoughts. But
2: I, here yeah, Pope he really Francis he really-
0: was, and he could have left a great legacy behind, but he chose not to.
1: I think you're onto something. I think that. The more irreverent and anti-Christian the world becomes, the more saints God God raises up. Uh, But the more irreverent the church becomes, Mm. then the soil from which sanctity is uh, is supposed to spring is now rocky ground and you get fewer of them. Right. Um, I always I like to, to, to think of things as far as what what's the distilled essence of it? Let's take movies for a second. Have you seen Jaws? Remember the, Steve, the movie about the shark, Jaws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can summarize Jaws in one sentence. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> um, Empire Strikes Back. It's reduced to one line. Luke, I'm your father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Sound The Sound of Music. Um there's a line that he says, it kind of summarizes it. He accidentally calls your captain, and she says, What is that? Uh-huh. He says, What's that sound? It's, 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 yeah. that's, that's the heart of the sound of music. Yeah. Um, gone with the wind, right? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a
2: damn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No yeah. So, uh, let's, let's apply this to the Catholic Church. St. John Paul II of happy memory, you can summarize his papacy. And how would you, how would you, in one phrase, how would you summarize John Paul II?
0: Theology of the body comes to mind. Theology of the
1: body. That that would be one. Um, How about the first words he said? Three words. What was that? Be not afraid. Oh, right. Right. He's repeated it endlessly, and it's a very scriptural, obviously. Uh, Perhaps you could summarize the papacy of of Pope Benedict and his legacy as his phrase, the dictatorship of relativism, which is Mm. the homily he gave before he was elected in 2005. Yeah. What's Pope Francis's legacy? How would you summarize that? Who am I to judge? Make a mess of things. Make a mess of things in your diocese, as you say. He could have watered the seeds of Samorum Pontificum and make them yeah. grow. Yeah. Um, you know, our our popes are Papa, right? The, the Italian word for father. The Pope is a spiritual father, and our bishops and our Pope don't come out of a vacuum from a different planet. They're part of this broken culture, this crisis of fatherhood. And if he had stood on the shoulders of Benedict and extended the olive branch to people who love the the extraordinary form, which is, you can no longer call it a ghetto. I think it's starting to spread in unexpected circles. People who you never would dream would be interested in it now are. And I and I, I think providentially, when this motu proprio is, is amended or dropped in the future, that we're gonna see an, uh, another layer of resurgence of interest in the Latin mass. It's almost like this, you've probably heard this before, David, uh, that this motu proprio is almost like the, the ecclesial equivalent of the Mexico City policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The boat, boom, the next boat, boom, the
0: next boat. Yeah, in this audience
1: With Bugs Bunny. In this like, sad, boat, right?
0: I mean, that's, that's cheap and petty. I mean, because I mean, you 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 know, some of the words you're using, you know, about Francis coming in and undoing the legacy of his predecessor, you know, it sounds like the language they're using about Trump. Oh, Trump's just undoing everything that Obama did. But if you look at the papacy of of Francis, I mean, you see a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of undoing what Benedict the Sixteenth did. You see a lot of that.
1: Yeah. And it's uh it's it's conscious. It's not just who is he hiring and who is he firing? It's it's uh it's in black and white and it's yeah. sent at a strange time and from a strange place. Normally uh proprio and and encyclicals and um apostolic letters, they're they're written from Saint Peter's. This one was St. John Latterat.
0: Mm. 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 That kind of
1: caught my attention as well.
0: Interesting, yeah. Does this have anything to do with um, buck breaking, right? Mm-hmm. The idea, you know, what we saw going on with um, Father Altman, yep. and we see this priest being publicly persecuted so that they can teach other priests a lesson. We see this going on in the seminaries all the time. You yep. know, if you don't, if you don't submarine, you're in trouble, right? Um, is is this 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 whole thing have to do anything about keeping these? Priests who love tradition and love the orthodoxy, these rigid priests, putting them in their place and, and making sure they don't they don't grow.
1: I think it's an object lesson to a bishop who's going to give who wants to give latitude to the traditional Latin mass. The object lesson is an implied threat: if you disobey this motu proprio, there's going to be a consequence. I think it's a subtle form of control over priests because it makes them more dependent upon the decisions of bishops and because Pope Francis has been, I won't say frantically, but he's been diligently stacking by stacking. I mean, he's the Cardinals who will vote for the next Pope, but also appointing bishops from around the world who are of his ilk, who are, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, soft, soft Marxists, uh, very soft on homosexuality, uh, Mm -hmm. pushing feminism, that kind of thing. So I think he's counting on, the fact that so many bishops are now appointed and put in their place because they're made in His
0: image and likeness—I mean, that, that's a shorthand way of saying it. Yeah. How far does obedience go, though? I mean, if you know if you're like a if you belong to religious order, you know, you you've made you've taken a vow of obedience to the Pope. Um. So how how far? But how far does it go for the layperson? How far does it go for the the priest? How far does it go to the bishop in in this regard? Because, like you said, I think you said earlier that people are, some bishops are saying, "Yeah, we're going to let this, we're going to let this pass. So where's obedience fit in all this? Because I hear that a lot. People, the same people who are saying, oh, you traditional Latin mass people got what you got. Now be obedience. Yeah. Obedience is, is the new whipping tool. Um, I think
1: the bishops are the center of this document. He has taken what Pope Benedict did and reversed it. In Samoan Samoan Pontificum, Pope Benedict explicitly says that the old mass was never abrogated and he's piggybacking on the 1984 indult issued by St. John Paul II, which still had bishop's permission attached to it. Pope Benedict removed all of that. So if father wanted to learn the Latin mass or say it or, or exclusively celebrate it, no problem. He did not have to go to the bishop for permission. That piece has been taken away. So now the priest must go and get a green light from his local ordinary. And I'm encouraged, even someone who's identified with the Church of Nice, to use a Michael Voris phrase, someone who's not certainly not a, a public trad, and that's Cardinal O'Malley of Boston. Mm-hmm. He, he's a he's a proponent of the, of the Extraordinary form. He's not going to he's not going to shake the cage. Huh. Bishop uh, of of uh, San Francisco. That's not a huge surprise. Um, some of the bishops are going to maybe regroup some of the disparate organizations that are are pro-Latin Mass and put them in one place. Maybe, as you say, change the name from parish to oratory. I mean, it's all antics with semantics, right? Right. But
0: it's, um, oh, there's, there's a question here that I want to get to.
1: So I think I think it's pre-buck breaking. By the way, your your essay was brilliant. I watched your video. I sent it to Father Altman directly and he said saw that amazing. Okay. <laughs> so you put a lot of uh, a lot of truth juice in one glass
2: in that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that.
0: Oh yeah, this is kind of what the question I kind of wanted to get to. Um in mm-hmm. and- K.P. Kp Jacks sort of says it. He says, as a convert from a summer Baptist to Catholic Church, what I want to yell at the liberal lukewarm, yeah, Catholics, lukewarm Catholics, yeah. you Protestant, all are all what you're trying to get away from. So it, it, it sort of gets to, I thought that was funny, but it sort of gets to what I want to ask you. The, the person, the Catholic who's never been to a uh, traditional land mass really doesn't, you know, doesn't know what's going on there, um, heard about it, mm, but not really interested. But how how does this affect them? How, how, how does this motu proprio affect your everyday Catholic who's not interested in, in, the, in the traditional land mass?
1: It, directly, it's not going to affect them at all. Uh, indirectly, it's going to affect them because now they live in a church where another source of powerful grace and devotion has been reduced. Um, you know, the church is a mystical body. What happens in one part of the body is felt on, on, on a metaphysical level with other parts of the, of the body of Christ, right? When I sin, it diminishes you. When I grow in grace and virtue, it increases, you know, the, that mysterious treasury of merit. So we, we, there's an interpenetration of the different ways of celebrating Holy Mass I think it's a terrible decision to want to reduce what has been traditionally and in anecdotal evidence, a strong machine of saint making of teaching devotion. Uh, If you listen to the collect prayers and I want to give a pitch to a very thin book. I won't jump over and get it there. It's over there. It's by Daria little D E R Y a Daria little is a former Turkish atheist Muslim now Catholic writer. She wrote a book called uh, From Islam to Christ. She has a beautiful little book. It's called Beginner's Guide to the Latin Mass. Again, it's just the smallest little thing. And she says, go the first time. Just treat it like, like an exotic bird. Don't uh-huh. try to follow. Just you know, do the calisthenics you got. Sit down, sit down. Mm-hmm, rest mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. go and just let, let the different timing of it soak in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like comparing, I'm going to use an analogy. If, if the, the Novus Ordo is a baseball hat and the Extraordinary Form is a fedora, then the Novus Ordo is a rock concert and the Latin Mass is an opera, a mm-hmm. ballet. It's mm-hmm. slower, it takes its time. It's not clap happy. The act of participation might be manifest by someone with their eyes closed, deep in, in prayer and worship to the Father. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of external things that are different. And there's a different way of approaching your relationship to the Eucharist. Because if if your whole formation has been the Novus Ordo, then you're used to the priest addressing you, saying, hi, how about those Blue Jays, a sports anecdote, how are we all doing today? Even if it's subtle, even if the priest is otherwise not a liturgical left-wing dissenter, right, Or, or a liturgical abuser, that feeds narcissism. The, the late Daniel Vitz, who is the son of uh, the great psychiatrist uh, Paul Vitz, he has an essay in Homiletic and Pastoral Review that I recommend to people. Uh, you can find it pretty easy. It's, on, it's in the Homiletic Pastoral Review, and it's on narcissism as the yeah. root cause of, of um, liturgical abuse.
2: Yeah. When yeah.
1: the priest is facing pro populo, so facing the people, it lends itself to a kind of performance it does. where the priest feels kind of watched. Yeah. Whereas in extraordinary form, the priest does not, repeat, does not have his back to you.
2: Yeah.
1: He's the, you want your pilots facing front when they fly.
2: your
1: plane <laughs> right? the, the priest is leading us in persona Christi and his priestly role as representing us to God the Father and God the Father in his son, Jesus Christ, to us through the priesthood. It's much more clear. The symbolism is so beautiful and so yeah. simple. And then there are times in the Latin mass where he turns, he'll say Dominus Bobiscum. It comes here to oh, right? The Lord, the Lord be with you and so on.
2: Yeah.
1: The Latin uh is always accompanied by English in the Missal that you can get. Yeah. So you're literally you're not going to be lost. But I didn't really enjoy my first Latin mass as an adult. I was born oh, out of my God. gourd. I thought, Come on, yeah, what's he saying? It's all whispering. <laughs> and I thought these people are clued out No the wonder they pray the rosary. Um so yeah. Just give it time. Just give it time and, and know that this is the mass of the ages. This is this ancient use divine liturgy has a marvelous track record of producing yeah. some of the
0: greatest saints. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really, I think, think about that too. I think that the, the, the Norse Ordo was really the first time in history of liturgy, and even in the history of monotheistic religions, and I'm not going to include Protestants in, in this conversation because I don't think what they do is really worship in a true sense of worship. But in of all the mono-the- monotheistic religions that worship, we could talk about the Muslims and the Jews, and let's say the Catholics. And this is the first time in history where a people of prayer did not face their source of divine revelation. All right. Uh, you know, for, uh, for the Jews, it had always been the Temple Mount, for, for, for Muslims, it had always been um, Mecca or, or Kaaba uh for Christians Catholics had always been we had Orient, we were Orient to the East, to Calvary. But all of a sudden, you know, we're facing each other, you know, about 50 years ago. Yep. And that, that was the first time in history we, we had saw that. So just just in form, it's a complete innovation, right? And of course I think I think Benedict and his his book on the liturgy, you know, he says, you know, there's some theological ways we can, you know, you know we could talk theological about the way we orient it uh, versus populum, but it's completely unnatural to the history of liturgy. It just is. And people should admit that and be inceptive and, and, and for what it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You see this in church design. I'm going to be interviewing uh, Duncan Stroik at some point. He's a Notre Dame professor of, of uh, architecture and also a fine church architect himself. He designed the Blessed uh, Blessed Trinity Chapel for for Thomas Aquinas College. And he has really interesting insights into how church design uh, uh, accelerates or impedes worship. You Mm. walk into a a Gothic church or romantic era church, Renaissance era, your eye goes one direction. It's almost involuntary. And that direction is up. Up. All designed. The sight lines are focused on the tabernacle. You don't have to praise, pray to St. Anthony to find Jesus. You know? <laughs> Where, where's the ta- What? Oh, it's in a closet downstairs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the communion rail and the, the, our brothers in the East have really retained this with their, their triptychs and their separation
2: mm-hmm.
1: of the worship of the lady and the presence of the priestly class, if you will, yeah. in leading uh, the liturgy it's an important distinction we've lost it we've flattened everything and having churches in the round and everyone facing each other it leads to the at least on a symbolic level of us worshipping ourselves you see this yeah. in the music right it's all it's about it's affirming me and my wonderfulness and all my yeah. glorious okayness yeah that's that's not something that produces saints that's something that produces
0: baptized mediocrity <laughs> humble, view. <laughs> I love the way you use words sometimes. Hey, did you see that, that um, message from Laura B um, thanking Patrick for his essay on the Trinity?
1: Oh, and culture wars.
0: Yeah. It looks like um in response to the scam artists.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe since we're talking about the Trinity and worship, uh, I was invited by Milo Yiannopoulos to join E. Michael Jones and Professor Rachel Fulton Brown to do a an intervention on Owen Benjamin. Now, Owen Benjamin is okay. a former uh, top-shelf Hollywood stand-up comic. He was an actor, a comedian. And um, Owen uh, lapsed Catholic, and he was banned pretty brutally because he went after everybody, blacks, Jews, pedophile enablers— um gays lesbians lgbt so there was he was he went after the wrong people so to make a long story longer uh, owen is now uh, a a homesteader and he has a strange group called the bears and uh so uh, uh, milo's intervention was ostensibly to talk about homesteading and the life rural but it was really milo's clever kind of sly way of intervening on owen to get him to stop saying blasphemous things about the blessed trinity I won't even go into what he would say about God the Trinity, just totally mocking the Trinity, blah blah, blah. inconsistent, of course. And so um, it didn't go as planned. Uh, at first, Owen took it pretty well, but then he did four, four or five live streams, like uh, two hours a pop, in reaction wow. to it. So I wrote an essay for Culture Wars called "What's Eating Owen Benjamin," in which I, the, the, the last third of it is, this is the scriptural data that God the Father is is part of the, is the first person. God, the Son is God, and God, the Holy Spirit is God. So mm-hmm. that's what Laura is referencing. And thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. We have to. We good. We need to pray. We need to pray for the largest denomination in the country, Laps Catholics. <laughs> they're, they're legion. They're
2: everywhere. Yeah, and I know. it. They, I, no I, I cannot, they don't know s- what they left. You yeah.
0: know, when people start a conversation, Patrick saying, um, <laughs> "I was raised Catholic." Or I went to yeah, I went to Jesuit, Jesuit high school. Jesuit high school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be in that conversation it's not, it's not anymore. A happy ending. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm out that conversation. I'm like, I'm not I'm the wrong guy for you. Yeah. Not, you know, <laughs> and I went there. and usually the person, the people who are never Catholic but say, yeah, I went to Catholic high school, I was a Catholic school. Therefore, you know everything about Catholic theology. Therefore, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're a mystic scholar, you got the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. we're winding up with, so we're talking with Patrick Coffin. Everyone knows him, um, writer, um, writer, um, media personality, speaker. He's going to be at some conferences coming up. I think you got one with um, Michael Voris coming up. Um, that's the one in front of the Bishop's house. That's in the future. That's in November,
1: um, yes. The Enough is Enough conference. Yeah.
0: What else do you have going on? Do you have any? tours or cruises or anything going on what's going on you
1: know, uh, tragically i made the personal decision to not impede my breathing uh, unless my doctor ordered it and the last time i checked airline ceos were not medical doctors so i'm not flying so i i had to, i've left a lot of great fulfilling conference events and speaking invitations on the table wow I'm, I'm not participating in the scam yeah masks not only don't work they are in my humble view a symbol of your subjugation to a tyrant and i'm not i just can't do it so i have done some things and i will november um live via um jumbotron
2: um, okay
1: so that that's that can be fun too so um yeah i was i was leading a pilgrimage to germany uh, for 2022 and I, i can't do it germany has just become so masked Nazi and so vax happy that uh, I just made the decision to opt out to not consent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, um, I'm supposed to be doing a pilgrimage to Poland in 2022. You know, Poland so far isn't, you know, where everyone else is at, but we shall see. Poland, we shall see. Poland
1: and Hungary and Slovenia are the, and to a different degree, Croatia are kind of European Catholic. Holdouts so far,
0: yeah, yeah. I had one more question before. We, so we're about to head out, talking to Patrick Coffin about what's going on now with um, what did I what did I call this show the um, the moto proprio mumbo jumbo. So that's what we're talking about. I have Patrick Coffin here, good friend, um, enlightening conversation, especially the part where we're talking about um, um the the Antichrist um, coming in. Um, a new order, and is, is is very scary, but I think we should reflect upon that, so, but one more, definitely, actually, if you have any more questions, make sure we get to them now, but there's one more I definitely wanted to get to, here's a person, okay, I think this is it, all right, yeah, question, do you think this outrage of the laity will change anything, even though bishops themselves have spoken up? It's a very good question. I like the way it's phrased.
1: Outrage is an understandable emotion, but it's not effective. The devil wants us to stay in outrage mode because that's his perpetual mode. The devil is the first person to have a father wound. He wants us to join in resenting our father. It's behind BLM. It's behind Antifa. Behind the porn industry, it's behind homosexualist bishops. This father wound that leads you away from the sources of light and truth. I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry. You should. Anger is a gift from God. It's an emotion that we need. But I think it needs to be marinated with the Holy Spirit, who can change the the rage into sorrow. Uh, I think people who love Jesus Christ and want to see Him loved have to have to be open to having an ugly cry about it of shedding tears of what's happened to the Lord's vineyard. Hmm. And I do think that if we do that and we pray sincerely for the conversion of our leaders the, and, and not deny, but to make reparation for the drunkenness of our father to invoke the example of Noah, oh, yeah. there's never, there's always enough grace God is always calling us, if we're baptized, to the heights of sanctity. And uh, my, my kind of motto, be a saint, what else is there, is inspired partly. I just kind of said up by accident my first week at Catholic Answers Live. But I was thinking about the saying from Léon Blois, who said that – how's that for a French name? Léon Blois. Uh, he said that at the end of life, there's only one tragedy, and that's not to have been a saint. We can't yeah. pause in our life. There's no rewind. It's all live, no dress rehearsals. And if you're not a saint now, it's because you're not willing it. You're not trying. Mm-hmm. God wants us to try. I think that's what Jesus means when he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He's not commanding the impossible since only God is literally perfect. Yeah. He's commanding us to try let ourselves be chipped away let ourselves be formed and fashioned and renewed as saint paul says in romans um, be not conformed to this world but be renewed um, by the transformation of your mind and it's god's work in us but we have to cooperate with it and the church crisis is not about liturgy it's not about politics it's not about sexuality it's a crisis of saints Mm. and if we take that call seriously and we say the magic word yes yeah One of my favorite spiritual directors, may he rest in peace, the great uh, Father Bob Bedard, the founder of the Companions of the Cross. His morning prayer was, maybe I can can leave you with this because I love it. I've kind of adopted it as my own. Simple, it's basically a one-line prayer. Lord, I'm not ready, but I'm willing. Works for me.
2: Yeah.
0: That's I mean and that's I mean, that's a great way I think to really end the conversation about what this is really all is all about. And I think we could really just apply that to every conversation about anything that's going on in the world, right? Any any issues. You know, people want to mm-hmm. talk about racism or, or or global warming, even global this the the cold climate change thing. Yeah. What's missing is holiness, the holy people. Because you have holy people, you have less sin, right? So yeah. <laughs> if there's more holy people, there's less sin and less sin. This is this world is a better place, and so it always it always comes back to the cross. It it, it just it just does. We don't need mantras. We don't need anything. We need Christ and Him crucified and, and resurrected, and that is that's the path to sainthood. That's so true, mm-hmm. um, and that's a beautiful way to end. But I did want you get one more question, Patrick. <laughs> okay, sure. There's guys who said um can't find a question, but he was asking can we can't we just sanctify the Norris Ordo? Can we can we just sanctify that? Can we just can we just do ad orientum use more Latin restore the altar rails, have rever reception of the whole Eucharist? Can can we just can we just do that? Won't that make everything better?
1: It will make everything better. I don't think it'll solve all the problems because you're still dealing with the the conflict, the tension between the old rite of 1962 and the Novus Ordo Missae of 1970. If you line them up page by page, there's just no way around the fact that the Novus Ordo Missae prayers are very distilled. They're very spare. I'm not saying they're Dick and Jane, but up against the, the majesty, the more full biblical prayers the color prayers the introits, everything it's just wall-to-wall bible
2: yeah
1: it's uh, it's objectively less i'm trying to find the right word here i won't say holy since the Novus Ordo is the sacrifice of jesus there's a majesty majesty and a depth and a richness that's objectively not present in the text of the Novus Ordo missae mm. not saying it's invalid not saying it's evil i'm not saying i will continue to go to it because i will um and this may be the via media, but this might be kind of the way forward, is to find the Novus Ordo Missae celebrated in Latin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have cake and you eat it too. <laughs> it is the new, it's the new mass in Latin. And if you familiarize yourself with the, the, the document directed toward the liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium, you will see the call to maximal use of Latin and the organ as the privileged instrument and... Polyphony and Gregorian
2: chant—you can have
1: all that in Latin in the Novus Ordo. That seems like a win-win to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, like you said, you know, we're still—I mean, if you you know, when I was putting my book together, Divine Symphony, I was just doing a comparative Mm -hmm. of all the different liturgies. And what I I left that book, um, feeling cheated, right, with the Novus Ordo. Um, Even I I go to one more often than not, just because out of necessity. You know, on the base, the base is just transient. in needs people, so um, I have a responsibility that I feel like to keep military families keep working there, keep the mass mm-hmm. um, there. But, um, but still, you, 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 I think I think I left that book just feeling cheated because you look at every liturgical right, Eastern, Western, Northern Europe, Southern Europe, over the course of history, the prayers are just longer, not yeah. not because they're longer for longer sake. But they're longer because they're they're richer, they're deeper, and they're they're more profound. And it, it just in the abbreviation of the nervous order, it, it just left us wanting, right? And th- so I think that's, that's that's that that I think that affects the sainthood unit, you know, our sainthood, and our and our preparation to receive the whole Eucharist. And so, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But I won't it's- keep you up. Patrick.
1: One one last quick thought. Uh, Yeah. Liturgical abuse, unless it's in the thoughts of the priest and we can't have access to that, is literally impossible. You say the red, you do the black.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not a father. There's no antics permitted. There's no um, you you won't see the phrase this or similar words. There's built in invitation to ad lib in the Novus Ordo Missae. That's another kind of.
0: But even if you say the black and do the red, right. Mm-hmm. Then there's still the room for some crazy music, some weird gestures of the body. And <laughs> it's it just some, some, some strange things that it's not, again, it's not there, it's not in the rubrics, but for some for whatever reason, it, it has the potential to try to be a clown show in a way that the older rights don't, right?
1: One, I used to contribute to a website that I helped found. And I uh, I'm a big fan of the, the official founder uh the website's called Eye of the Tiber oh yeah yeah yeah, the yeah. for Catholics and one of my early entries was I, I wrote a uh it was a, a news parody of Cardinal Mahoney was trying to um was going to implement the holy squeezy poo at the end of the our father we used where you squeeze the hands go up and then you do that little squeezy poo you know that's another one of those gestures that kind of, why do we do this? What does that squeezy poo say? Yeah. says I'm with you until the end of mass. I'm not going to leave you. But now it's awkward and I must let go of your hand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, John Boy has a question about the, the mass. Yeah. What
0: about celebrating the old mass in English? Many of the daily office prayers are chanted in English and are quite powerful.
1: Maybe John boy's onto something let's celebrate the Latin mass in English <laughs> yeah um, the closest thing i've I've come to that is the beautiful Anglican use the ordinariate at mass uh, the liturgy is beautiful I mean the English let's face it they invented the language and it's very uh it's these and thous and, and it's got that beautiful Elizabethan elegance to it um yeah maybe John boy's onto something
0: <laughs> All right, Patrick Willie, um, last final thoughts on, on anything? We, t- um, this is you know, talking to Patrick Coffin. We're on our way out, we're asking Patrick for his final thoughts on anything, but um, you can find him at just Google him, Patrick Coffin. Um, but his website is patrickcoffin.media. Yep, find out what he's going doing there, Patrick Coffin Nation, his podcast where he's at and what he's doing, make sure you join his um, email list to stay in touch.
1: I just want to thank you, David. I uh, always enjoy connecting with you. I think you're building an incredible platform. Always happy to throw attention your way. Um, you you. if this does this Catholic evangelization writing thing doesn't work out, you can easily revert to a stand up comedy, you have natural comedy chops. <laughs> and you found a way to marry those two things. Um, but if 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 People like this kind of engagement. We do this all the time inside Coffin Nation. You can check that out at coffination.com. I'm writing a book on uh, isms inspired by Pope Benedict's last homily as Cardinal Ratzinger. Um, it's tentatively subtitled 12 Ideologies That Ruin Everything. So relativism, scientism, Darwinism, oh, wow. feminism, transgenderism, all the isms that destroy the faith of young people. That's what I want to go after.
0: You've been quite prolific in essays, but is this your your first solo title
1: or no? It's my second. Uh, my first book was originally called "Sexo Natural: Why It Is and Why It's Good for Your Marriage," which is a defense of humana vitae. It's not okay. a very good book title; it's too clever by half. But I did a revised, expanded version of it called "The Contraception Deception." Catholic teaching on birth control which is a it's okay. a better, and because I did that in light of the uh, Obamacare and the HHS provision yeah
0: how far are you into your manuscript uh,
1: we can talk about something else I think David look at that shiny metaphor <laughs> no I'm uh, the chapters are all charted out I've got three or four chapters written and I, I want to get to 12 um, yeah. it's just very it's very media I am I'm doing the Darwinism chapter now which is a very complicated uh, chapter but I, I I did three or four smaller ebooks in between. One Saved, Not Always Saved, how to, how to Handle Haters, and one other, I forget which. Anyway, and I, I'd like to write kind of the 50 movies you need to see before you die. I'm asked all the time because everyone knows I'm, I'm a huge cinephile and <laughs> script writing uh, aspirant. So there's that. But this is the kind of thing. Um, I love good books and good movies and and I love sharing resources and connecting people and Again, really appreciate your uh, invitation, David L. Gray.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have you back, um, I guess, in 2032 when you finish that book.
1: But... No, that's <laughs> you have to leave on, on a note like that, full of hurtful, hurtful hatred.
0: Right. All right, but thanks so much, Patrick. Appreciate you, okay. everybody. Keep Patrick and his family in your prayers. And you see, this is the first time we had Patrick on the show, and he wasn't in his red room studio. So this is completely <laughs> this is completely different. He's not in front of the desk. He doesn't have the. The uh, movie theater background, with them. so this this really cool and casual. So probably next time you have your studio back up in a new house,
1: I'm, I'm building a new one, more okay, uh, more wooden, more rustic, less Victorian era. Yeah, building.
0: yeah, yeah. I look yeah. forward to seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> Very good.
2: Thanks, guys. So God bless. God bless you. All
0: right, friends. Until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Hi, Everybody, thank you for watching subscribe here to get the latest from the show also be sure to check out the content you've missed if you'd like to keep supporting my work consider joining my team on patreon where you'll be gifted great perks buy books hoodies and mugs thanks again